I'm going to stay alive for four to five days. I like this. There's an evolutionary reason for this. <laughs> you can choose to go on the autobahn or the superhighway and get there quickly, the orgasmic superhighway. Or you could take the scenic route and trap in, tap into lots of other erotic energy on the way. That's right, it's time to get sexy. And I'm here with Tanya Coons, our resident pleasure therapist, uh, activist and sexologist. Tanya, it's been a, been, a, been a bit. How are you? It's been a minute. You've been cavorting around in the mud, I understand. <laughs> mud. I'm very well, thanks. It's always a pleasure to be in. Oh, yeah. Now, if you have just joined us today... Uh, Let's Talk About Sex is a fortnightly segment on sexual health, pleasure and wellness. And today we're talking about edging, which I think the first time I ever heard about edging was actually in Orange is the New Black, when one of the main characters is just shy of coming out of prison and their partner is talking about like how he's really excited to see her because he's just had to completely rely on edging as a tactic for them to get off. So with that, Ah. (laughs) what is edging, Tanya? (laughs) What's the point? What's the purpose? Why do people do it? Oh, my gosh. This is I really like this topic today. I had a lot of fun researching it and chatting to folks about it on the weekend, actually. Um, Edging... Edging's pretty much, it involves being sexually stimulated to the point just before orgasm and then stopping or slowing down, right? And a person might receive, repeat that cycle several times before they allow themselves to orgasm. And what I love about edging is people of any gender, in any persuasion, whatever they're doing, can practice this and benefit from it because it's unlikely to cause any health issues. A lot of people are like, oh, isn't that wrong? And I'm like wrong in what sense you know it's basically um yeah you get yourself really high and aroused and then you stop or prevent yourself or your partner that's the fun part from tipping over into an orgasm so it originated as a treatment for a premature ejaculation because some of the some of the these methods were um, exercises designed to allow greater and longer stimulation for folks with penises who were ejaculating before they wanted to so they use a sort of stop-start technique and a squeeze technique. But as with everything, people get hold of these things and they're like, maha, okay. And the goal of it is basically to masturbate or to have sex to, or basically to experience pleasure for a much longer time, right? Mm-hmm. And I've also heard that uh, engaging in edging can give you a much more exciting and intense orgasm because of the delayed gratification and because of the build, the build, the build, the build, the build. Right. So would that make it easier for someone to last longer? Um, I think in those cases, in in about a quarter of the premature ejaculation cases, it's because people haven't learnt the body, the tensions in their body, and they haven't learnt to control getting very excited and then pulling back. So we're actually teaching them the tensions in their body. So a lot of people can learn that actually. They might have learned, you know, I get very excited and then I tip over, hooray, that was fun. And they feel like they've got no control over it because that's what they've done their whole life. Mm. But a lot of people work out very quickly, you know, they can 
think of their tax return or think of something shitty or <laughs> they're doing. Imagine your mother-in-law and just pull back a little bit and mm. then, then they can come up again. So they're sort of, they're going up to peaks and down into valleys. You know, this is a common tantra practice actually for people to have ecstatic highs and then come down. And, it, you know, it's not bad and hanging around in the valleys. It's still sexy and still pleasurable. It just not might be at its greatest intensity. Mm. Now, what are some edging techniques for people with vaginas? Ah, okay. So if you normally do something or use something to get off, don't, right? So if you use a toy, don't use it. If you're used to your partner's tongue being there, don't don't engage with that. Uh, use a different hand to masturbate. Stand up instead of lying down or sitting down. Uh, you can stop and start, as we were discussing before, like get very close and stop what you're doing. Let your body go and come down a little bit and uh, keep your keep your underpants on and keep that fabric in between you and your genitals and whatever you're using for stimulation. If you are used to internal stimulation, use only external. If you're used to external, use only internal. You can slow down. You can use embodied practices like orgasmic yoga uh, and you can avoid porn because a lot of people are like, well, I'm going to use that to really sort of turn on and it can be quite a quick, exciting rush. But when people don't use it, it can take them a little longer. They've got to rely on their, their mind and it's a little slower and less intense. Mm. We've run through some text texts some techniques um <laughs> for people with vaginas but now tanya i want to know if um you have any techniques for people with penises um really similar to a lot of the stuff i just mentioned for folks with vulvas um you can use the stop start technique and also squeeze technique for folks to squeeze ahead of the penis because it kind of it's a bit of a circuit breaker it's like oh what are we doing here i was lost in that nice sensation so it'll stop what's happening change the friction change your grip change the type of stimulation sometimes people use masturbation sleeves sometimes people use lube sometimes people use different angles so change all that up use a different hand i often give that one out actually for homework if people are needing to learn to last longer that's one of the things i teach them um, avoid porn and again embodied practices i teach folks a little thing called porn yoga which is uh it's a standing up to masturbate, but if they're looking at porn a lot, they can, they're allowed to look at the porn, but for 10 seconds in every minute, they need to look away and engage with their body in some way. So they might sort of like slap their chest or embrace themselves or, or just or touch their genitals, whatever they want to do, but looking away from the porn. Then you can look back and then you look away again. So it's not such a dissociative activity. It's very engaged and it does slow things down. Mm. Would you advise for or against using sex toys and edging like could they be helpful or do you think not so much well hmm, again it depends on how you are applying them they can be involved uh i mentioned earlier if you're used to using them take them out of the equation or if you're playing with a partner you can use them to bring people close to orgasm and then take them away so things, uh, good toys for that are things like the Hitachi wand or the Doxy because they're quite strong powered and they can be applied from a distance. So you can kind of sweep in, stimulate your partner and sweep out and they, they can't hit you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then there's a, 
chance to play around with teledildonics as well, wearable sex toys. So you can be like getting your partner very excited and then going, oops, oh, uh, I'm pulling back on that. So there's, yeah, there are a lot of ways that sex toys can be involved in this. Okay. What if, um, I think the next obvious question that is going to come to mind for someone if they're listening uh, is that if someone with a penis does this, can they get backed up by delaying that orgasm? Uh, backed up meaning like the, the, they've got a backlog of sperm sort of thing? Yeah. Okay, not really. I mean, sperm goes stale after four to five days. I like this because there's an evolutionary reason to masturbate. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it really depends on what you mean by delay here. If if you, if you're departing from the rush, uh, if you're departing from penetrative sex and no orgasm, then the only thing you're at risk of is increased pleasure. But if you're edging, sometimes ejaculate can go into the bladder. Uh, so you might get you might get cloudy urine after. There's nothing wrong with that as far as we can see. If you're practicing orgasm denial, there's a few things in there because the muscular spasms uh, that happen on orgasm are needed to circulate the fluids uh, around the body, prostatic fluid and other things, ejaculate. So it might cause a few problems there. Uh, the Chinese folks, when they're doing orgasm denial, they do it with qigong, which kind of circulates the energy all around the body and there's less of a chance of that backup. Uh, a lot of people ask about blue balls or epididymal hypertension, if you want the real name. And that's really when folks get an erection for an extended period of time without an orgasm. It can be uncomfortable, but it usually isn't serious, right? So it might be a bit of pain or aching in the testicles, but um, I suspect that this wouldn't be a common occurrence in partnered sex, even when edging. Yeah, right. When most people consider edging, Tanya, the impression is that it is, you know, like a individualistic, solitary endeavour. But yeah, I think I can answer this next question that, yes, you can edge with your partner when you're having sex or with another person. Is that right? Absolutely, it's right. And it can be a really fun thing to do because it... It can actually be a part of heightened power play. Mm. Um, I was talking to a few folk about this topic over the weekend and one person said, you know, I really like this as a power play, which I get off on, controlling when my partner will come, literally having them beg me for pleasure and to let them come. <laughs> I was like, yes, I can see how cheeky that is. And another person was saying, oh, yeah, I like it that my partner is literally about to come and then I watch their reaction when I stop doing what I'm doing. Mm. And I was like, oh, because it's, you know, it could be a bit of a, a cheeky, sneaky thing to do. Um, and another one, another friend said, because I have opinionated friends, I like the look of my lover's face and the way they squirm. And I was like, that's kind of cute, right? So, a lot, and I think folks in um, the kink world, BDSM world, definitely use this as a part of um, power play uh, and power exchange. So it's a bit, it's a bit like orgasm denial. So orgasm you can denial. use. Yeah, it is. So it's like, oh, 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 no, no, no. And you can put that into daddy play or little play like, you know, have you been a good girl? You deserve an orgasm today or not? Um, there's all sorts of things. So I think it can be used to really wind people up. And I think if you want to put it into role play mm. or power exchange, you can hot it up even more. 
really depends. I mean, for those of you who are creative, there's no limits to what you can do with edging, I mm. think. All right. So you've convinced someone listening that they want to try it with their partner. <laughs> How can they bring it up without implying that they don't finish fast enough? Well, yeah, I'm not sure this the, the correlation between edging and the implication that someone takes too long to finish, right? I think given that edging is about increasing pleasure, prolonging the time to orgasm, I think you could bring it up in a way that suggests you want to try something that would increase the pleasure for both of you. I mean, who's going to say no to that, mm. right? You can say that you'd like to tease them and drive them crazy and have them begging you for more. You don't need to tell them exactly what you're going to do either. You can say, how would you like me to get, you know, how would you like me to tease you and drive you absolutely crazy? And, you know, so I don't know. I don't know about you, but it sounds pretty inviting to me if somebody made me that offer. Mm. So how do you know or like what intuition should you follow to stop teasing in that sense, stop edging and <laughs> finally orgasm? Um, yeah, well, it depends. If you're on your own, uh, tune into your body. It's going to let you know when you've had enough and you're ready to go, I think. <laughs> I think some people might be, you know, like, oh, no, I'm going to use this as an exercise to learn to last longer. Okay, well, you might be timing yourself or seeing, seeing, seeing what's possible there. That's up to you to set your goals and what you want to do. But if you're on your own and you've got time, I think you can listen to your body because it will... You'll get to a point where you're like, okay, and it's time for me to tip over now. But if you're playing with a partner, <laughs> that depends who's in control. And this is what I mean about it being an excellent power control game. You can be quite the villain teasing someone and getting them close and going, nah, I'm going to stop my ministrations right now. So you might have an agreement beforehand, like, I don't want you to make me cry or I'm not into begging, so don't make me beg. So I think you can negotiate things. Mm. Um, yes, I think you can be as cheeky or as not cheeky as you like. It might be I'm going to give this a little go and then it might be something that you play around with and see what's happening. Yeah, right. Now, we've just had someone text in on 0409-945-945 who said, hey, genuinely curious as to whether blue balls is real and if it occurs to someone who is edging, which just so happens to fall into my next question about whether it can be uncomfortable or painful. So what do you think, Tanya? Um, yes, we said that blue balls was real. It got a name, epididymal hypertension, right? So um, it can happen to people who are edging if you do it for a long time. But usually if, if you've got associated pleasure, I think your body senses that there's going to be a release somewhere. Um, but yeah, some folks might find it painful um and yeah i think i think you can you, you need to call that out if it's not if you're doing it with your partner and it's not going so well it's like hey look i'm experiencing a bit of pain or discomfort but blue balls is a real thing and uh, it's it's a bit of pain or discomfort it's not an obligation for anybody to sort you out let me be really clear on that because it's often used as a a bit of a sexual coercion method it's like oh, if you're horny and you're feeling pain or discomfort and you want to um, do something about that, you can do that and take matters into your own hands. Nobody owes you anything or a solution. And sometimes that's not very pleasant or pleasurable either because mm. there are other afflictions where people are, uh, there's a persistent genital arousal disorder and a few other things that aren't very exciting. So having a release that actually doesn't feel as good as 
say people indulging and edging going hey this is really nice and we're delaying so small number of people i think that could happen to for most it's going to heighten their enjoyment and uh, enliven their bodies yeah right i want to know tanya does edging have anything to do with anorgasmia Good question, and no, it does not. Edging is about getting close and stopping or reducing stimulation to prevent tipping over into orgasm. Anorgasmia is actually the inability to have an orgasm. So that can be primary or secondary, never had an orgasm or lost the ability to have one. And it can be global or situational. It could happen to you all the time or only in certain circumstances. For example, maybe you can come on your own but not with a partner or a certain partner. So it's different. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to give a shout out to our new super producer, Amber, who has prepped all of the discussion points we've shared today. And she wondered, she tried edging and her orgasm vanished right away when she was ready to go. Why did that happen? And how can I stop that from happening again? Okay. That sounds like you're trying to stop edging. <laughs> so I was like, all right, um, this is the point of it, isn't it? That you build up into an orgasmic state. And then you pull back. So, but it also depends on your genitals. Because I know for folks with vulvas, it's really handy to know that right before orgasm, the clitoris will retract back in behind the hood. So if you stop or you change what you're doing, it might be that you can't find it or the exact spot you're at again and miss the chance for an orgasm. I think this may be what Amber is referring to. It's a pretty common occurrence and it can happen with partners or on your own, but most folks don't know why or what's happening. And we can thank our our wonderful Australian colleague, Dr. Helen O'Connell in Melbourne for researching the clitoris and doing NMRIs of people having orgasms to discover this wonderful fact. Mm -hmm. And she had another question. I normally orgasm really fast. If I start edging, will I lose my ability to orgasm quickly? Um, I don't think so, but I think you will learn the ability to last longer before your orgasm. So it will be like you have a choice. You can choose to go on the autobahn or the superhighway and get there quickly, the orgasmic superhighway, or you could take the scenic route and trap in, tap into lots of other erotic energy on the way, even have non-genital orgasms, breathgasms, gigglegasms, all sorts of things. So it's really up to you. <laughs> well, on that note, that brings us to the end of Let's Talk About Sex Today. Thank you so much, Tanya, for popping by. Uh, you can recap today's show at fbiradio.com slash programs if you click on Mornings with Maya Bilic or you can get the full hi-fi edited recap uh, wherever you get your podcast from. If you look up FBI Radio, Let's Talk About Sex will be right there. We're going to be back yeah. in a fortnight with a new crash hot topic to run through, Tanya. We're going to do Butcher Femme Dynamic because it will be Butch Appreciation Day shortly after. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs>